Welcome to Listener Request Month. You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we discuss Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Welcome to the podcast. We're your host. I'm editor Brian Okins. With me here tonight, director of photography, Mike Griggs. How you doing, Brian? I am... Swe- Wait, that's a question Jared used. <laughs> oh, this is breaking my brain. What is going on? All of our brains are broken. I'm just trying to keep it going. And we also have with us costume designer, Kristen Jones. Oh, and here we are talking once upon a time in the West. <gasps> Spaghetti Westerns. Yay! Everybody likes the spaghetti, and everybody likes the westerns. <laughs> right? Come on. Yeah, it's a great combination. So everybody had spaghetti while watching the western, right? I mean, I was it was fried ravioli, but it's close, right? I did I did actually have pasta, yeah. All right. Okay. You guys are doing it right. I actually ate uh, Vietnamese noodles while watching this. It <sighs> doesn't, doesn't quite apply. It's close. You tried. Nope. Doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> then they would be called ramen westerns. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they it's got stuck with pasta. Pasta. Oh, have you guys ever seen a, a spaghetti western? I know we've done I, a couple. Of I feel like I've seen pieces of it, like on TV way back in the day, like what my dad was watching shit on TV when I was a kid. But like, no, definitely, I've never sat down and watched an actual full proper spaghetti western. Yeah, same. Uh, I know I've seen westerns before, but I don't know that I've seen a spaghetti western. More at least not more than a couple of scenes here and there. So I gotta ask, what did you guys think of the pace of the film? Oh my god, I fell asleep three times. Like legitimately <laughs> fell asleep. Like had to stop the movie and rewind it and say what the fuck happened because I I had I had legitimately fallen asleep. I didn't fall asleep. It was surprisingly suspenseful, but I really wanted it to hurry up because I'm so used to things happening so much faster but like if I would sit there and pay attention I mean it's really that's really what what the challenge in this day and age right is to get us to sit and pay attention (laughs) to something like this you sit and pay attention um, 
it's brilliant and it's so suspenseful and there's so much to look at and take in and see uh but other yeah but there's nothing like there's not like dialogue to distract you there's not a lot of stuff to distract you the way we currently experience movies so this was a really interesting piece to watch i think yeah that, that, i mean that is true like in modern cinema there's like a lot of stuff going on and this movie, <laughs> even close-ups and reaction very shots, little going on. Well, no, you get to you get to live with them. You get to experience them. You know, you get to yeah, yeah. Watch the sweat roll off motherfuckers' faces. Oh my god! It kind watch of reminded me water oh, drip onto a hat and then get drank. It's important, <laughs> no, because it kind of sets the scene. I really, I actually really liked all of those. It it set the scene for for where they are and what they're doing, and it kind of reminded me of that like Viking movie that we watched and how mm. this is what they tried to be, but that was like super boring. But this movie was like way more compelling. I think that's what was it, The Northman? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like that. I think this is what they were trying to do, and they couldn't pull it off. Um, and I. Did you need to see the water dripping onto someone's hat and then him drink it? I mean, no, but it sets it up like these people have nothing and they're this is their life. Okay, like that's all they've got is the water dripping onto their hat. Like, imagine (laughs) how desperate you have to be to be like, yeah, I want to go out west. That is the best option for me. And that's what I was thinking the whole time with all of these people. I was like, this is like their best option. Like, how horrifying is that? And so anyway, I enjoyed it. I don't know. I find that really interesting that you bring up the Northman and and the slow methodical pace of that because I found that infinitely more entertaining than this. And yet at the same time, while I was watching it, I was most mesmerized by thinking about how much influence this movie has had on other directors that I love. Like, I saw so many Spielberg kind of moments in this film in terms of, like, the blocking... And the the one-er shots, like specifically the when when sh- the the wife or the wow, um, fuck, what's her name? Jill. Thank you. When she was like in the cabin and searching through all the possessions, looking for the money, and they had those couple like insert shots, and then they and they go from insert shot to insert shot to insert shot, and then it's just this one long one-er where she's going through the dresser and they kind of dolly pan across, and then like. They see the in, the inside of the thing, and then it moves up to the mirror, and then it like rack focuses to the mirror, and you see her face in it, and then she turns, and you see her face in another part of the shot, but it's all still the same shot. Like there's a lot of those kinds of things that I see in Spielberg's work, and so the influence that this movie and probably Sergio Leone's style has on directors that I love is just throughout the whole thing. But man, I was just fucking struggling to give a shit. That that's hilarious to bring up Spielberg. Uh... I, 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 what you're saying is 100% true, but for Spielberg, I think that's because both Spielberg and Leone were huge John Ford fans. Interesting. Okay, yeah, because I don't think I've seen any of the actual John Ford's movies. Heard about him forever. Yeah, that's why uh, Leone wanted to get uh, Henry Fonda in this. Because, you know, Henry Fonda's always <laughs> okay, the okay. Yeah, quintessential good guy cowboy. Yeah, I was reading some stuff about that, like how how he apparently showed up on set or or showed up on location or whatever and wanted to like he was wearing like brown contact lenses and was trying to t- change his look and Sergio Leone was like no 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 we need everyone to fucking recognize you and then do a little double take and be like wait this is the bad guy 
and and watch their uh, expectations get subverted. That is that's that is a great character reveal. It's fucking cold as shit, man. <laughs> Everybody on that farm, yeah, because he doesn't give a fuck. Oh, just dies, and then he comes out and kills that kid, <laughs> who he may not have killed if that guy hadn't said his name. Yeah, yeah. Well, said my name. Now he's dead. Yeah, let's be honest. He's probably gonna kill him anyway. <laughs> yeah, he probably was. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he just said that to make the other guy feel like he's a fuck up when oh 100 percent, absolutely you know gotta keep these people in line you don't you, you don't say our actual names on the robbery or the murders come on listen joe, <laughs> joe. stop using our names <laughs> motherfucker probably didn't know his name or how to read <laughs> the other influence that i it kind of <laughs> almost made me angry was um, the soundtrack um, and how Hans Zimmer lifted this for Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Every the, time that song came on. The Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes? Yes. yes. Every time that song came on, I was like, oh my God, this is from Sherlock Holmes. You're talking about that song forever, so I didn't. You're talking about the Cheyenne's theme. The dun 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 Yeah. Hans Zimmer lifted it for Sherlock Holmes. It's the Sherlock Holmes theme. Yeah. Yeah. All right, a good that. call on that, Kristen. Yeah, yeah, I wow. would not put that together. All right, all right. You, I, I think I enjoyed that. Hans Zimmer's version of it better because by the end of this movie, I was so over that theme. I was just what? like, oh, I my God, that. can we hear literally any other music? Oh. It's such a good thing. No, it's a brilliant theme. It I is. love it. It's so good, and that's why I think Thank it you. made me kind of angry every time I heard it that, that they lifted it for Sherlock because I always is, thought it was it so brilliant for Sherlock, and I was like, oh, no, you just stole it. Okay. Ooh. I, and I also like how it plays. Like they changed that one throughout the the movie. Like the first time Cheyenne shows up in that outpost, it's kind of like got this like dark theme kind of going under it, but it's still got that boom, boom, ba dum over top. You know, I don't. I, and then at the the train robbery, like uh, well, that's not the train robbery when they're trying to bust. He's trying to bust Charles Bronson out of the fucking uh, rail car. Yeah, it gets a little goofy there. I like that. It gets a little whimsical. I think that's cool. Yeah, they play. So they have, I guess, like what would you say, like two recurring like songs that they kind of toy with throughout the whole movie. So it does get a little repetitive, but I think it's really interesting how they do this. Yeah, yeah. There's because there's Cheyenne's theme and then there's Harmonica's theme. All right, that one gets a little old because they never change that one. Yeah, (laughs) and and that one also threw me off many times just because first of all, like the whole. Let's ADR the entire fucking movie was difficult to get used to. But because of that, the ways that that the harmonica theme was like, all right, sometimes he was playing it and then sometimes it was soundtrack and then sometimes it was literally both. And it was really, really throwing me in those times when it was both where like he's clearly not anywhere near the harmonica, but you have the harmonica theme. And then you're having guys talking about like, I can hear you playing and you should be talking, but you're playing instead. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Do you think that part of that, I mean, one of the things that the director has said is that this is sort of a reimagined fairy tale version of the Western world. And so do you think that that he he kind of just toyed with that idea, including the harmonica? I think they had a hard time, like, actually mixing it and making it sound like it was part of the world versus Mm. score soundtrack. I don't think that. Yeah, I could see that. That technology is really, really there at that time. That that was part of my struggle with with the whole ADR everything because there was like two shots in the whole movie where 
it, it went like the camera pulls back and they're like in this like top down wide shot and then they decided to add some actual like ambient reverberatory sound to the dialogue and I was like oh now it sounds like we're in some kind of a part of a world and not just in a fucking booth those were so like removed from the rest of the movie that I don't know it's it's a choice and it, and then they lean into it for sure I just don't know that it, it actually aided and helped anything in the film yeah it lets you know that harmonic is there I liked it I'm okay with most of the ADR and like the overdubbing I think the the only one that sometimes bothers me is uh Claudia Cardellini's uh, her character Jill. There are moments where you you can just tell that the act the actress that's playing her and the actress doing the voice are two different people. There's just these moments where you can yeah you can tell it's not her voice. Yeah, that also threw me off because the first time I saw Claudia Cardellini was in uh, the Pink Panther, like the original Pink Panther, and her voice is in that. And so like hearing a different voice like when that is ingrained in my head because I watched it when I was a kid like a ton of times I was like what <laughs> wait wait a second she doesn't speak English and she's got like a really husky voice too she sounds kind of like yeah. uh, uh, Kathleen Turner that would have made an interesting choice for yeah, this movie yeah it's very it's very sexy yeah, I'm kind of surprised like, they no. didn't I, I guess maybe she couldn't speak English well enough at this time well no she was in Pink Panther no because Pink Panther yeah. was before this it was like five years before this so, yeah I don't know why I don't know why they didn't that get was, her. I think that was 63 and this was 68 if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, this was 68. So I guess maybe she was just too busy. It happened. Maybe she didn't want that extra ADR money. She's like, look, I showed up for the movie. I was on set. <laughs> I, I heard the lines of dialogue the characters were saying, no, I'm not repeating the smack my bottom, and I'm going to go out there and smile line. No, it's not happening. <laughs> just pretend like it's nothing. Nah, fuck you. <laughs> That's right, because you know when when men are out working in the sun, they, you know sometimes they deserve to look at someone that looks like you. The fuck! And if they smack you on the bottom, you just ignore it. All right. Yeah, hearing that this was Sergio Leone's um, least demeaning to women film, just because they put her in the, essentially the lead, I was like, hmm. Yeah, I cool. uh, didn't. Considering some of the other westerns I've seen, I did not think this was demeaning at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, she was definitely a strong character, and she I appreciate that. She was a great that. character, yeah. Yeah. and I mean, uh, there is the rape scene, and there is the um, the smack the bottom scene. But you know, again, considering God, I don't know. I just feel like all of these people have such awful lives. Like this is again, this is the best they can hope for. Yes, yeah, a lot of people were really offended by the rape scene. And they called it misogynistic. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the point. You know, he's the bad guy. <laughs> uh, you know, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, just look at her. She's liking it. And I was like, okay, okay, hold up. We got to stop with that right there. Uh, no, she's not liking it. It's literally in the dialogue. It's called out. We're like, we're, 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 yeah. Henry he's Fonda's like, like, like you're, do you're anything. pretty great at this. <laughs> yeah. You can do anything you to save You do anything. Save your yep, skin. Yep. Like what? But I mean, <laughs> I the, like she's literally like glaring, and she like rolls away from him at one point. Like there's, there's like at no point do you, does it look like she's enjoying herself. I, I know. know. Yeah, that's how I felt. I did kind of love his his like musing to himself, like I could totally marry you. The last guy who was trying to fuck you totally like that thought he thought that was a great idea. Maybe I could do that. No, no, no. I should. He talks himself out of it. <laughs> But he's like, I wouldn't like, it. Wally's trying to rape her. Like, oh my God. Like, what is going on? Yeah. She's sitting there like, please do not marry me. Please. 
Just one You'd make night. a pretty good wife. Let's She's get like, it over Jesus with. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that. I don't know. I, it, it's a it's a terrible scene, but I thought I thought it was respectful to all the characters involved. You understood their motivations. It made sense. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, I don't know that you can have a rape scene that is like empowering to anyone. But um, well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's some real fucking talk. If right you're there. if you're yeah. gonna have one, I I didn't hate the way they did it in this. I thought it was almost like a negotiation of sorts. As much power as she could have, which is little, as as much as she could have been in control. And maybe that's what people don't like. Maybe people don't like that she wasn't like screaming and pummeling him and trying to kill him or something. I don't. I yeah. yeah our- are all rape scenes supposed to be showing like the woman well, shocked and in complete pain and all that? No, yeah. no, no. So like, um, if the the if the woman's not fighting, then yes, she either enjoys it or deserves it, kind of thing. Oh, she was asking for it. what was she wearing? Right, for, right. Fuck exactly. Off. It's that it's that conversation. That's the yeah. conversation yeah. that's 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 happening. Yeah, I don't know. I I especially after she had that moment with Cheyenne, where I don't know he's. He makes some comment to her along the lines of like, you know, if you don't answer my questions, I can kill you. Do you not realize the situation you're in? She's like, oh, I fucking know. You could rape me right here and get all those guys in here and they could rape me too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was while I was still like trying to figure out, is Cheyenne a good guy? His music started off a little eerie. I'm not quite sure about this, dude. <laughs> but I did like that because she's like, you could do all of that and all I would need is like some hot water. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You're just a yeah. you'd be black <laughs> after that. Yeah. I'm making coffee. No, like how could you hate on her after that? Like honestly. Oh, but that does remind me. So I, I actually thought, what do you guys think when she shows up to town and they're like, oh, sorry, like, this was supposed to be your wedding day. You know, how sad. And she's like, no, we were already married. I thought, for, like, as soon as she said it, she was lying through her teeth that, like, they were not <laughs> married. Um, but everyone generally is like, no, what? No, of course they yeah. were married. They were. She said they were married. Uh, anyway, except for I found one person on the Internet who was like, hey, guys, do you think, like, she was lying about this? And I swear to God, some, the, someone responded and goes, if he, that's an interesting theory, but if it's true, that would make her not only a whore but a liar. And I was like, "No shit, what? that's her whole fucking character. <laughs> that was the point of the." Th- oh my god, that's amazing. Anyway, oh but what did you guys think? Um, uh, okay, all right. Uh, my first really? reaction was, "Oh damn, like that's cool. Maybe they did get married when when he met her in New Orleans, and they were like." We're in love. Let's get married right now. And when you can move, that's cool. But then, like, as the movie progressed and you realize, no, she actually is a whore. And and then um, what's his name was, like, kept describing, like, my mom was a whore. She made the best coffee. And you make coffee just like my mom. And, like, you're basically <laughs> just like her. Like, I kept waiting for there to be some, like, reveal where, like, she was actually his sister or some shit. <laughs> but that notwithstanding, I definitely... <laughs> Like the the idea that she she gets there and realizes he's dead. If she's not married, she has fucking nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So, so like, of course yeah. she's gonna say, yeah, no, we were already married. Yeah, this is my house. Of like course. I'm gonna stay here. And of course, and, and yeah. kind of back this up. Like the first thing she does is ransack the house looking I, for valuables. Yeah. Right? Literally, I was just about to say, of yeah. course. She's looking for, like, there's got to be a ring in here somewhere so she can lie and be like, he gave it to me. I have had it the whole time. Something. I will say that's the one of the. I guess that's what makes all the these scenes suspenseful is how Leone's 
delving out this information. Like you're, you're, you're you get information not all up front, like in like in a modern movie. Like when those guys are waiting yeah. for the train, yeah. you don't know who they're waiting for. You don't know if they're the good guys. You don't know if they're bad guys. You're we're building suspense, but there's so much mystery there too. And it's kind of how the whole movie progresses. That's that's a good point. Yeah, I agree. It's really suspenseful. It's very mysterious. You don't know who any of these people are, and you don't know any of their motives, and you don't know who you're rooting for. And so you're just kind of along for the ride, and everything is so cutthroat. It's all, everything is life and death. Uh, I did see there was a, a, some critic that, or some review that I read that was talking about how. Um, all of these men have basically resigned to the fact that they're going to die. It's just a matter of time. But I really think mm. that Claudia, or not Claudia, yeah, Jill, the wife. Jill, yeah. Did not, she's the only character, I think, who did not have that sort of, it's just a matter of time before I die mentality. She was the one who I was actually, I mean, regardless of, you know, if she's just a, whoever she turns out to be, right? But like throughout the whole movie, though, like even the first second you're introduced to her, She's not like, oh, no, is this my time? She's like, oh, my God, this is just another thing I have to deal with. And, like, you can just see <laughs> in her yeah. eyes everything that happens. She's like this, too. Dear God. Like, <laughs> whereas all the men are just kind of like, oh, am I going to die right now? But it's kind I mean, of this acceptance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's been getting fucked professionally for a long time. So why not do it in life? I don't know. I feel like in the end, though, she made a really good choice because, like, the whole time I was thinking, again, what kind of life do you have to leave behind? And that was the other thing that I kept thinking. Like, I mean, the the American West is, like, so popular in our culture and we have little saloons and we watch the movies and we do all this kind of stuff. But, like, I really appreciated this movie because, like, imagine, again, what kind of life are you living that you give all of that up and get on a train with like a suitcase to go out to nothing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And women would do that with their kids because like the husbands would go ahead of them, you know, so women would get on their trains with their kids and their fucking suitcase for days, weeks. I don't know how long it took. I don't remember the Oregon Trail song that it's a little earlier, but like, I feel like it took a long well, time. Well, the trains were a little faster. <laughs> that's why they built them. <laughs> well, the Oregon Trail took like, what, three months? So how long do trains take to cross was, the country? The trail was definitely oh, I have no months, idea. But the train was probably a, a few days. It would, yeah. Still. It, it would be in a steam train. So like, yeah, who knows how? I don't even know how fast those things go. I've never even been on a steam train. Have you guys ever been on an operational uh, working steam Not train? Not a steam train. Yeah. No, I don't no, just, think so. Just high-speed trains. I did watch the Kunk on Earth special on steam trains, so I feel like <laughs> I should know this, but I forgot. Sorry. I just watched that yesterday, and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Everyone, you should, if you don't have Netflix, get Netflix and go watch Kunk on Earth, because goddamn, it's so good. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I really like the train set, speaking of the trains, though. Yes. With the diseased, uh, what, what, what is this guy supposed to be? Is he is he supposed to be the, the main He's villain? A railway Baron. Is that what he is? Yeah. Just a, just a rich dying, like, I got tuberculosis, I'm a railman, I got all my rail money, we're gonna go out to the Pacific Ocean. He's he's Morton, like, of Morton Salt, I guess, or of some other <laughs> similar, like, known <laughs> name type person. They just I keep guess. dropping him, like, Mr. Morton, Mr. Morton. I'm like, yeah, are we supposed to know this guy? Wait, uh, is he supposed to be, like, some kind of infamous figure? Yeah, no. The only trained guys I know are Doc Brown. He's definitely not in this film. I mean, he should be famous. Look at that mustache. Holy <laughs> shit. That was a good mustache. 
There's some good there facial of, hair in this. A lot of good facial hair. Yeah. 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 A lot of good, uh, man, just like cracks on pe- all the guys' faces. You can see like all the fucking skin. It all looks like leathery reptilian. Yeah. Yeah. It looked great. Man. There's a lot of fucking wonderful face shots in this movie. Like the way that they are like, let me put this face like enormous in the frame and then put a bunch of other things behind that face. Like I love the way Sergio Leone blocks and frames faces. It looks really good. And also not only does their skin look like super like leathery and like tough, but like these people look so dirty and I love yeah. how they talk about yeah. her bath. <laughs> That's like something that only like- three people have been in it this <laughs> you're in luck. No. Uh-uh. Nope. Yeah, it's great. I, I like she had to ask too, like three people at different times are all together. <laughs> it's like, oh that, what a perfect question to ask after that. <laughs> like, was it a party or is it just dirt, or is there some man juice in there as well? <laughs> so nasty. <laughs> oh, that, guy, that goddamn bartender at that outpost was fucking gross as hell. But I did love his eyes. The minute the, the woman walks in, he's just like, oh, hey, I don't see pretty girls around here too often. I thought he was, he was really good. There were a bunch of really good character <laughs> actors in the piece, though. Like the b- guy in the yeah. beginning with the fly. I mean, I love that dude. Dude, that fucking fly. That was ridiculous. It crawls in his mouth. And I was like, this is 1968. That ain't no digital effects. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the way he's like, I don't know, squinting his eye and just slowly looking over the fly. Like, oh, you're he, annoying like, me. twitches his face and tries to get it to move. And then I'm just like, how long do they roll on that to cut back to this so many times? <laughs> but that's the thing is like. Okay, like, they could have cut all of that out, but, like, that sets up, like, the scene so perfectly. It sets up the, like, where you are, and these are, like, the, these are the people. Like, this is what's happening. This is your life. I totally. think, like, I, I don't know. So I really loved it. I wouldn't cut any of it, honestly. Well, I mean, this movie is two hours and 45 minutes long. It was way, way too long. They should have cut at least 30 minutes, probably more like 45. But those kinds of scene-setting things are what make the movie work. I don't think that they should have cut all of these like inserts on secondary characters and like the subplot stuff. I think they just he's way too obsessed with with like letting these scenes breathe for way too long. Mm. Like like when there's actual plot things happening, they're just like let's show 15 versions of this one thing. No, no, no. Give me more inserts of of water dripping on a hat. That's interesting. That sets the world. That that tells me where I am. Walk, watching these guys like walk around each other for like six minutes before we cut to a fucking flashback at the end of the goddamn movie when it's supposed to be like the final shootout. Like you are just making me wait for it. You're like Sergio Leone loves edging and he is just going to make you fucking wait for everything. Oh, my God. Never watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Mike. <laughs> Like the end, the end showdown between the good, the bad, and the ugly, where they're just standing. I swear to God, it's just shots of them standing there looking at each other for like fucking for like five, literally six minutes. Oh, 
I did have a question about like what are the rules for like a showdown? Is that what this called a showdown? Because it's kind of like a, a duel, yeah, like but cool. like in a duel, you like walk away from each other and then you turn around and after the certain count and shoot each other. Like I was trying to figure out what the rules were because they just stare at each other a lot until they someone shoots. And so like are they counting in their head like what is what's happening? No, the first person who draws. Why don't? Why wouldn't you just draw then? Like, why are you? Well, the staring? other person will draw too. That's why it's like you know. That's that's why they say you know who's the quickest draw. Yeah, but they just. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, like you should like they're not quick. They just stand there and stare at each other for a good long while. Yeah, you sit there and you stare at the person. You look at their hands. You look at their eyes. You're like, are you gonna go, buddy? Are you gonna? Yeah, make but why don't move? you just go? Yeah, that's you- stupid because yeah, as soon as the the amount of time it takes for your brain to register that they have started moving is already the amount of time difference that it's going to take for you to lose to draw in the first yeah, place. Yeah, you should just go like like let the other person stare at you. Did and you, you guys not see thing. Charles Bronson was like killing it that way in this movie? I mean, I don't no, understand. No, like I saw it. I'm, that's why I'm, I feel like there are rules that I missed. I feel like there are rules. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> There's no rules. Never in these movies. They just always like meet and they they look at each other and like, wait, we're killing. We're gonna. Oh yeah, we're gonna kill each other. Because <laughs> like, if I saw my enemy who I wanted to shoot, like walking down the street, I'm not gonna like walk over and like stare at them in the eye for a little. I'm just gonna shoot that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a this is a good point. Because uh, what's her name also made that same point. She was like, why did you save his life? You shot all his men that were gonna kill him. You saved his life. Oh, I mean, oh, come on. It's the it's I the wild, her, wild west, way. right? Yeah, you know, like totally. the, the guys got to go out there and, and do things on their own. Like, you can't get my kill. That's my kill. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah. Who fucking He's cares? Like, no, because this dude is like, no, it's like a point of honor among men. What are you talking about? Like, I don't understand it. I'm a lady. Explain it to me because I would have just shot him. If the motherfucker dead, okay? then you're good. Oh, I mean, what else do you need? Right? L- let's be clear. I also would have shot him dead right away. Like, I <laughs> I didn't grow up in the old west. I don't. I don't live by this code in any way, shape, or form. I would have shot these motherfuckers in the back and ran away on my own. <laughs> so, so no, I, I can't really explain it to you. But I mean, you know, that's that's the idea. You know, but the, this is like an honor among men, and yeah. they need to look at each other first. I don't. Okay, sure. You gotta you gotta stare. You know, uh, your opponent down. This it needs to be a one on one thing. It's also I feel like, like- that should have come beforehand. Like, like, yeah. to, like when you're becoming enemies, that's when you like say shit and look at them and do, you know, that's when you intimidate them. And then if they come back, you didn't do your job well enough and then you have to shoot them, right? Like, that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, well, Charles Bronson, like, from the very beginning, is like just mind fucking Henry Fonda. Because, like, you know, like, Henry Fonda's like, who, who the fuck are you, man? What the fuck? What, what did I do to you? I don't even know who the fuck you are. And he's like, um, so-and-so. He throws out all these names of people that he's killed. Yeah. You know, he's just, I, he's just mind-fucking him from the get-go. I get that part. I do get that part. It's like, yeah, it's, it's This is just part of it. You know, we, we, we got to get to, you know, the one-on-one. Uh, I guess. And, you know, some subplot shit just happens. And, you know, Charles Bronson's got to deal with that. And he's like, ah, I got to deal with all this other shit. Look at all this railroad crap. I just want to kill this guy in this woman's backyard. Fuck. Sweetwater, please get here sooner. I don't know. You know, it. whatever. It. Uh, it's in all these movies. Wait, so are all these movies, like, good in retrospect in the same way that this movie is, like, develop, developing plot in retrospect? Like, all the things happen, and then, like, the dialogue that explains what the fuck just happened is always after what just happened? Usually, so we never have yeah. any stakes. We only just have the suspense and the mystery of what the hell's going on. 
and then they tell you what the fuck was going on, and then you're like, oh. Well, I mean, most of it you can, you know, I don't know, you can kind of figure out. And yeah, you know, I agree. No, I agree with Brian. You kind of figure out most of it as you go along. There was not, as long as, again, as long as I was paying attention, um, I didn't really get confused. <laughs> well, there's nothing to get confused about because there's nothing happening. They explain everything that did happen that after it happened. And then you're like, oh, cool. Okay. No, because like literally you can miss someone's like eye moving from like this way to this way. And like all because they're tracking somebody moving. Right. And then you that means you've missed the movement, which means you've missed like there's like a lot to it. You have to pay attention. It's, it's annoying. I, I do really like that, though, Chris. When like when Charles Bronson's like looking out, uh, I think it's. It's it's when Frank's leaving and his his guys are coming to shoot at him. Charles Bronson just like wa- walking up on the uh, the second floor and just everywhere he looks and you just cutting to his POVs and what he sees and oh it's so fucking awesome. No, it, it's really cool. I'm just saying it's like almost three hours long and it's a long time for me to pay attention. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh my god, like an intermission time. would have been really nice. Or like if this was like a TV show and they broke it up into several episodes. That'd be great. It it felt like like three episodes of a TV show that were all shot for TV and cut for TV and not like paced well. TV wishes it was paced like this. Yes, this is paced well. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with the pacing at all, actually. If this was on TV, this would have been like a fucking six hours long miniseries. That's why I only ever saw parts of it. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of pacing and needing an intermission and everything else like that, guess what? We're going to take a break. We're going to play the trailer for Sergi Leone's. What is this? Once upon a time in the West. We'll be back.
we're back. That was the trailer for Sergey Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. Ooh, that's a good trailer. Come on. Was it? Is it Sergey Leone or Sergio Leone? Sergey, whatever, man. Don't 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 ask me how to fucking pronounce names. Do I ever pronounce names right on this show? <laughs> Fuck, no, no, no. Usually we have Google pronounce it for us. <laughs> Google, but Google's not here tonight. Google went to the UK. <laughs> that's you, Jared. We miss you. And we need to give a shout out to uh, to listener Shane for requesting this. Way to go, Shane. That's all I'm going to say because otherwise I'll say things that. Shane won't like. We'll hoist you up on a rapey bed, just like. <laughs> we'll what flip the camera sideways and then do a giant zoom while also dollying. It'll be a good move, I promise. Okay, so what, what what was up with that bed? Where was that? Where was that supposed to be? Was that supposed to be in that little Native American hut where Henry Fonda was, has that one scene? No, I thought it was in the same house where she almost got fucked by. She, um, was it Cheyenne or was it? No, she can't be there because uh, Charles Bronson and uh, Jason uh, Robards is there, and they're like hanging out, and they're like, "Where's the girl? Oh, she got kidnapped by Frank." No, they didn't say she got kidnapped by Frank. There, when they were like, "Where's the girl?" They said she went home to get something, and but she'll be back. They're standing in her home, though. They're outside no, her no, house. No, they're they are at. Um, they're, they're at her at the, house with the lumber. No. No, no, no. Her house is Sweetwater. Yeah. They, they are at the town where the lumber has been delivered to no. then be moved to Sweetwater so that they can build the Sweetwater she, When she goes place. and looks at the lumber, that's at, that's at the town where she gets dropped off at the train station, right? When they're looking at the lumber, that has now been moved outside of her house at Sweetwater. That's why they're starting- Oh, start- fuck, you're right. That's why they're starting to- They to, start building like, it. Pace off the thing, and he puts the little stakes in the ground. He's like, fucking build, motherfuckers. And it's clearly not the train, so where is this floating fucking bed supposed to be? I mean, maybe, like, above the bar, in addition to baths, they have, like, floating beds for all the (laughs) business transactions that are taking place. Only only four other people have been in this bed this morning. Probably not at the same time. Probably at the same time. <laughs> Probably at the same time. Look, we don't have indoor plumbing, but let me tell you what. Our beds levitate. <laughs> Via horsehair hung from the ceiling. Uh, or something. I don't know what the fuck that shit was, man. It was so bizarre. It's such a weird set. Which is interesting because there's a lot of really great sets in this film. Yeah, not that I I, I didn't hate it. It was It's just bizarre because it, it sticks out. But yeah, no, I'm with you. All the, I think all the sets are very, very strong. I don't know. I didn't think that it, I mean, it does stick out. I don't really know why anyone would have a floating bed like ever. Um, however, that being said, I thought it was kind of cool and it kind of fit everything. Actually. I enjoyed all of the sets. I just, and the costumes, they were done by the same person and, um, sets and costumes by the same person. And, um, yeah, I, I, I thought everything, all of it was really, really strong. And, um, it doesn't necessarily go with um, the most historically accurate, um, but I think when you are really creative and have a vision like that, you can take certain liberties. And I think that's what they do mm. with the bed there. Um, and I thought it, I thought it, I thought it worked, and it it didn't stick out as much as you would. I, I didn't think it stuck out as much. Like it, it was like, oh yeah, there's a floating bed with with bars on the side like that's kind of weird but you know why not it it, kind of i didn't hate it yeah until you said something brian i was convinced that that was just 
in in the homestead house. Yeah, I thought I kind of thought it was in their house too, and I was like that. I did think it was weird, but I, you know, I didn't really question it beyond that. I was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, everything else just looks so like I don't know, era perfect. You know, like it all just it all fits. Well, I did hear that that scene was her first shoot or her first day on set was that scene. So maybe they oh, okay. like had something different set up for the sake of like, well, we're bringing her in and, and we need to make her feel comfortable or something like that. I don't know <laughs> no, that that would make her feel comfortable. No, there is definitely no, no comfort definitely not. on that set. <laughs> there is yeah. like, there's like, uh, there's, there's a, some famous like behind the scenes photographs and like, there's so many reporters and like photographers oh like my God. all around this floating bed wow. where she's just like, half naked Way with Henry Fonda. I heard Hi. Sergio Leone's uh, wife was like, I'm going to be on set for that shoot. But for that <laughs> for that day, I'm going to be there, motherfucker. Henry Fonda, take your pants off. <laughs> Show some ass crack. Yeah, I'm sure it had nothing to do with her husband watching this beautiful woman be scantily clad. She's like, Henry Fonda's going to be on set. I don't trust you. I'm going to be on set. <laughs> I will note on the costume point of view um i absolutely loved the dusters that the cowboys were wearing they were so dope they were amazing and i think i read that they found them and they were originally white and they dyed them brown i think is what, what? I um the other super interesting thing about them is that this movie kind of brought the that that look into fashion and they were like mm. oh my god where did you think of this and the director was like you know you should really look into your own history because i just saw like a photo <laughs> and i saw that that's what cowboys wore to protect their out their clothes from all the dust and the dirt and then we just happened to you know the, the costume designer happened to find some um and i i thought it was actually a really interesting point of view because we definitely don't research shit like we used to we kind of look at like mm. the last movie that was made and which is what people yeah. did and so they looked at this movie and they're like oh that's what they wear and so this movie kind of set the standard wow wow i haven't thought about that that is really interesting yeah yeah because before this uh was it we only made the the poncho the clint eastwood award that was the famous oh yeah the uh, costume outfit from the spaghetti westerns but this did uh, it carry it, over. It made its way into Back to the Future, so definitely did something. Yeah, I, well, Clint Eastwood used the the dusters in the uh, oh, fuck. What's that movie? Uh, the Pale Rider. All the yeah. lawmen uh, wear these long like black dusters like this. I think I, I think they're they hella amazing. cool looking. They're yeah. so cool. Yeah, they really are. Uh, yeah. And I also really enjoyed uh, Jill's dresses and outfits in this. And I don't know that they were super. Um, realistic and in fact i have a dress that looks very similar to one that she wears in this so mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure they're not realistic uh or, or I mean, yeah you know, no she looks fantastic she looked amazing Holy like shit, and yeah. that's 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 what i mean when i say that you can you don't have to do things by the book all the time if you have like a vision like she looked she looked amazing in all of this and even the scene with um who is it the harmonica was like you know ripping all the lace and shit off her <laughs> that dress. What, he just rips the top of her fucking dress and she's like, "Look, I have boobs, right?" Well, no, I, okay. So he rips off a lot of the detailing of it so she doesn't look fancy. It makes it a plain black dress. Um, it attracts less attention, and um, he's kind of 
he could have told her in a different way, but he's not so politely telling her to um, dial it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he was doing that just to make her look sexy to go out and get the water. Yeah. I kind of thought the same thing because she also has that dress where the, it has like the the little tie across the top where oh, it's yeah. like it's completely open yeah. and then she has the tie and it's like a normal dress and then somehow the tie has been cut and now it's like way open and, and but yeah, it, it looked great, didn't it? I oh, it looked it looked like, great in all the there. versions of it. No, yeah. because you don't sit there and you're like, well, this is not historically accurate. Like you don't care because it no, everything who looks cares? so she looks good. Amazing. Yeah, everything looks so good. That's that's why I didn't really care about the bed. Like like they were just creating this yeah, like that's a good point. Yeah, style, you know, and I loved it. I did love how they were. They kind of put the the dusters into the dialogue where Harmonica's like, I saw three dusters. Waiting for a train. Inside the dusters were three men. Inside the men were three bullets. You're like, this motherfucker is so hard. <laughs> Come on, Charles Bronson is badass as shit. <laughs> that was I. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. That right there. Although, yeah, uh, <laughs> go ahead. What? Oh no, I was gonna say I love the dialogue. There's like not much in it at all. <laughs> All of their exchanges are so good. They're they're great. They are. I, I, Charles Bronson, though, like the entire time you're watching the movie, I'm just like, oh yeah, Charles Bronson. He's just you know just a, just a white guy going through the world. And then when they get to his flashback, where they sh- they have younger him, and I'm like, oh wait, is he supposed to be a Native American or a Mexican? Yeah, I think he's supposed to be Mexican. Is that what he was supposed to be? It was supposed to be a Mexican? I'm, yeah, I think he's supposed to be Mexican. I was confused by that also. It's so weird. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. You would think that, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like Cheyenne he's or something. a really tan white guy. Yeah, would throw out a racist comment or something, you know? Like, yeah. but the, nobody mentions it once throughout the whole movie. Nope. 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 Not the dude that's named after an Indian nation doesn't throw out a racist comment. Nobody, like, gives any kind of reference. You're just supposed to sort of assume, okay, cool. Yeah, very very bizarre. I will say though, like they have, they have an African American guy that looks pretty normal, and then all the white dudes are like just tan as fuck. There's just there's nobody gives a shit. Everybody's just fucking baked in the sun. Do, do you think it was kind of like a, a Roy Scheider situation where they just kept getting tanner and tanner as the movie goes on? Yeah, just sitting out I, sunbathing. <laughs> Legitimately, I do. I think it's partly that, and then also just like. The Italians being like, wait, are we supposed to care about this? What are we talking about here? Like, what? Okay, hold on. Italians are very racist. What are you talking about? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they are. I don't know. I mean, they were, you know, uh, you know, a fascist country like t- less than 20 years before this movie came out. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a fair point. Yeah. Maybe 25. I mean, you know, no, I'm not good I mean- on dates. Yeah, I mean, obviously not all Italians, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I mean, that's not a general whole. It's like saying Americans are, like, super welcoming and open to all races, you know? Well, clearly in this movie they are. (laughs) Once upon a time in the West when nobody gave a shit how tan you were. Well, they definitely took that American money, man. Uh, Paramount, actually. It's the only thing that'll stop a bullet, Brian. (laughs) That's true. Oh, okay. See, oh, that's one of those moments where, like, and you know what? Okay, so some of this, like, when we were talking earlier about, like, uh, he's 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 showing you stuff, Leonius, and you get the explanation later. But I mean, this is a good example of like uh, show 
don't tell. But like when that rich guy starts like bribing Frank's men in order to like you know get off their asses and go kill Frank, like I'm gonna pay you to kill him. He's just he's he wants to play cards, and then it's such a good reveal. Yep, it, yep, it's a yep. it's a languished pace, you know. And then we finally get the shot where he's actually dealing dollar bills on the table. Like what what is this? What what game is this? Well, it's one you have to use your head. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Hundred dollar bill, hundred dollar bill, hundred dollar bill, hundred dollar bill, uh, and another one. Good did screen. We t- talk about that the set for the trains. The interior. That was a set, right? Like, because they were shaking the fuck out of that thing. Either they were shaking the camera and the set at the same time, or both. <laughs> they filmed it. It part of it in Italy and part of it in the states, right, Brian? That's what makes it spaghetti western. Is that correct? No, because they filmed to... a lot of the stuff in Italy. Because oh they didn't... no, I just mean like the train. They had to match the train car it, it, when they came back here for whatever reason. I don't remember why it was not filmed all entirely in Italy. Well, okay, uh, so they want to they want to shoot most of it inside the inside the set because that's where you can control your lighting the best. Um, sure, and you can see it on. I'll, it's it's a lot of the shots where. Um, like Frank will open up the side door and like he'll bring in harmonica and, and tie him up and you can see like outside the train you can clearly tell when it's rear screen projection and stuff like that um, like during the uh, escape sequence when the train's moving but all that stuff is done like there on location and they have the train car there and they actually captured it and you can kind of see the difference in the shot because when, when the characters will walk inside the car it, they'll just drop off into like the shadow and you can't even see any detail in their face and then they'll step into the light. But then when they're shooting on the set, you don't have that problem as much. So that's why they split it up. They shot on location to get those big wide shots and just, you know, he'd like to show depth, but they also did a lot of stuff uh, like on the outside too. Like when every, when I guess, I guess those were supposed to be Cheyenne's men that came back and battled everybody at the train car. Sure. I was a little unconfused. I was a little confused by that. That was that honestly that was part of my issue with the movie was like you never know who's fighting who and why they're fighting and even Cheyenne spent half the movie being like, Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he fighting with them? Is he fighting for them? Who is the them? Who are we fighting with? I don't understand what's going on. I I guess it had to be Cheyenne's man because Cheyenne got shot by uh what does he say, the half man? <laughs> I think he, he meant the guy that was crippled with tuberculosis. Oh yeah, 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 Mister Morton. I think that's what he meant. I'm not sure. I don't know. But speaking of outside shots and bounce lights and and seeing people in silhouettes and shadows and stuff, that was one of my biggest issues with the movie. For for all of the amazing cinematography, where there's like just incredible blocking and you see faces in frame. And four dudes like right in the front of frame and one guy way off in the side. And like just there's some really, really amazing framing in this movie. There are some shots that are just like, let's bring in all the bounce light we fucking can. Or let's bring in two giant HMI 5K something like 12K stuff on these sets. And you see two shadows walking across a wall as a character goes to a doorway and I'm just like, can we just pick a direction for the light to come from? Like, like, 
when we're outside and you see clear giant shadows coming from like four o'clock sun, can we just have some shadow across the side of the face instead of like filling in every fucking nook and cranny? There were, there was just there for how amazing the cinematography was in this movie. I felt like there was a lot of over lighting and it really, really, really bothered me. I don't know. I think that adds to it though. Like, I mean, you know, like everybody's always sweating. Everybody's dirty. You know, it just, it adds to like this intense heat feel. Yeah. Also have shitty lighting. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, that's my point. Like if there's shitty, like everybody's sweating, everybody, like I want, I wanted to see some close ups with them shape on the faces. Like the number of times they're like, let's show a face in frame. And then they're just like, it's full on flat. The one side of the one side of the face is the same brightness as the other side of the face, and one of those sides is very clearly in the sun. And they're just like, let's make sure that we can see both sides equally. Like, you don't have to bring it in that tightly. You you can have some shadow. You can have some fall off. Like, I just I I was really befuddled by the the lighting decisions. It felt like the people making the decisions on. The framing and the blocking were not the same people that were making the decisions on the lighting. Yeah, I mean, I think now where everything is really dark and you can't see anything that's happening, um, is that's like a recent trend. I feel like they wanted to. I can. I, I, I do think that uh, it's. See, even that. I get I your point. I get yeah. your point. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying, like, I think that it was the style back then. I don't know. It's it it's. I don't know. It's it's done in moments though. It's not always like flat, nasty lighting. Like there's a lot of moments where they do things with lighting where they where there are like when uh, Cheyenne meets Harmonica for the first time and he throws that fucking light in his yeah. face and it swings back and forth. Like and in fact, that whole outpost set the minute they yes. walk in that looks great. Yes. The train car and some of those moments. Um, as long as it's not moving, when it's moving, that's kind of that looks illustrative of my point, though. Like that, that whole underground sequence where or, I mean, I guess it wasn't underground, but what they were in that that on that bar, and there's like it's supposed to be there's shadow and there's darkness, and you see like little streaks of light on people's eyes and stuff like that. And then he slides the fucking lantern, and this whole giant like two K light fucking just sweeps across him with the the you know the lantern happening. There are clearly some like elements of darkness that that they're integrating into these things. But then there are other shots, specifically I'm referring to the outside, the exterior stuff, where where you see the sun, you see the shadows and it's it's behind them. Like it's very clearly like we we've got this three-quarter shot and the sun is behind them, it's the edge and then they just bring in so much fucking bounce that they're just like you have no shadow on your face. Yeah, I, well, I think half of it's... Th- After a shot where there's, like, a lot of fucking shadow and it's a total silhouette and they're just like, now we're going to go to this thing and you're going to... We're going to see fucking everything. Like, can't... Is there no medium in this? I don't understand. I, I think it's a little bit of an aesthetic choice and the style of the time. Yeah. You know? it. If they're doing that when they're outside, I mean, you're getting that heat come through, the hot sun. I mean, and... Even with people's hats, like I love, I, I, man, I, one I love thing, the hats. yeah, Fuck, right? I love the hats. I, I love the shot where, where you get close on somebody's face and their their hats covering the fr- the frame, and then they slowly lift it up, and you can see yes. the eyes after the, yes. the bill. Oh, it's so cool! I don't know. I love the hats. 
Um, They're doing other fact, things I, too outside of the light. I I wrote a note. I was like, I love all the close up frames, and I love how they're always like every close up you see the brim of the hat, except for fucking Claudia. Every time you see Jill in the frame, especially in the early shots where she got that giant hat when when she's first introduced, those frames on her face are so awkward. Where they're just like, let's put her face in the bottom half of the frame and her hat in the top half of the frame. Where we've just, we've established for the entire first third of the movie that like, if there's a brim in the hat, it's on the top of the frame. The eyes are in the, on the, the top third and the mouth is on the bottom third. As soon as Jill walks in the frame, her eyes are in the middle of the frame. Her mouth is in the bottom of the frame. Her brim of the hat is kind of close to the third and we see all of her hair. Like, why are you changing your visual language? Like, why are we showing all of her hair instead of her hat? Why are, Why do we need to see her whole hat? Like, I don't the, know. There was some weirdness that was kind of bothering me with all the framing on her shots. Yeah, you're right. They did it with uh, Henry Fonda, too, when he's in the in the train car. The first time you see him without the hat and the duster. His, yeah, his close-ups yeah, 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 yeah. are like that yeah, when he's sitting yeah. down. And it's just, uh, what's going on there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that is that way. I, I did notice that myself. Yeah. I, I did enjoy seeing all the shots of her hair and her hat and all of that stuff. Though. Well, it's different to like show like a wide shot where you see like a whole person and like, like let's, if we're going to show the top of a hair and a hat on the hair, like let's see the clavicle. Like, you know, let's let's see like the top of of the boobs, you know, like there's, there's a level of like I'm framing that those, makes sense. So. You know what I'm saying? Well, sure. You're not looking at cleavage? What? (laughs) I know. It's hard to believe. (laughs) I'm just saying, if if you're going to show one side of a thing, like, let's at least balance the frame. Like, why are we putting her face in the bottom third of a shot? I don't understand. They At this time, they wouldn't have playback. You're looking at, you'd be looking at dailies the day or a couple days after. I don't know. I mean, there's some things where, like, you know, some, there's there's a lot of out-of-focus stuff in here, too. Um, it's all on her. None of the dudes are out-of-focus. No, some of the dudes are out-of-focus, too. Uh, when I didn't notice a single shot of a guy with a close-up when they were out-of-focus, uh, no, it was all her. There's some Charles Bronson moments that are out-of-focus. He was really only mm. paying attention on her scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I got lost inside her. I was trying to imply that all the guys were also only paying attention to her. And they were like, wait, we're supposed to be in focus on this. But that's fine. <laughs> I was sitting there counting the cracks in Charles Bronson's face. It's like, oh, my God. It's like a counting tree rings. Let me see how old Charles Bronson is. <laughs> no, but like some of the wrinkles, like that was impressive. Like... I really enjoyed that. Like their skin is so thick and the wrinkles are so deep, and I loved so it. So many wrinkles. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, whatever makeup they did, they put on them. I think like just really accented it, accentuated it. Yeah, and I was watching on a DVD, so it wasn't even like high def levels of like let's look at all the pores. You could see all that shit. Yeah, this I can only imagine watching this on thirty-five millimeter, like in a fucking giant screen. Oh uh, yeah, I, this needs to come out on four K. I would like to see like a really nice modern transfer of this movie. I watched that something that awful. was. They said they digitally remastered it in twenty twenty two. Is that what you guys watched? Is that the same thing? Uh, mm-hmm. no, I have the Blu Ray. Um, oh, because my thing, I I almost like when I typed in Once Upon a Time in the West, it was like, do you mean the twenty twenty two release? And I was like, oh no. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the yeah they just like redid it I guess last year, but I don't know what they redid. I did not pay that much attention. 
I have the the two disc um, DVD version. What'd you get, Brian? I'm trying to see the goddamn copyright. Uh, they print shit too small, man. My eyes are starting to get bad too. That's why God made iPhones with magnifying glasses. For real. That's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, this I mean, this came out in 2011. Okay. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, first time on Blu-ray. So I guess this was the first Blu-ray release. Okay, so I think then maybe because I was gonna say I kind of remember pores in mine, but I also wasn't really paying close attention to the pores. It didn't look like Avatar level. <laughs> Avatar one or two. The t- two, number two. <laughs> number dose. Well, those were digital pours, so. The fourth highest grossing <laughs> movie right now. Damn, way to go, Jim Cameron. Oh, I thought you meant this movie. I was like. No. No. This movie, uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, box office here, this yeah. was kind of yeah, a. Tell me. Tell me. Kind tell of me. a bomb, um, at least in the United mm. States. Uh, Shocking. This was the first movie that uh, Leone ever had that actually had some budget. Uh, uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which I think he's most remembered for, uh, that only had a budget of around like 1.5 million. Whoa, seriously? This had a budget of 5 million. Oh my god, that's a significant change. I mean, he put all that shit on screen. He had a whole giant fucking like town. Yeah, they they, that he, they built that fucking yeah. thing. So yeah, but this made a uh, 5.3 million in the U.S. Um, I don't know the international wow. numbers. Uh, but no, it, but what does that translate I'm sorry, to? you said they had they had five million in their budget and then they made five point five? Yeah, in the US. They sold Whoa. forty million tickets though, uh worldwide. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, what is what is five million in inflation? Dollars? Well, I mean, I guess that really wouldn't matter if they put, you know, five million of their money up and they got five point three back. Not not good for But that's only in America. They made more everywhere else. Like it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, but then you have to—I don't know. It's weird too. With international, you have to—you have to split some of your profit with whoever's releasing it overseas. Because even usually, like movie studios, like uh, Warner Brothers and stuff, they won't handle all of the foreign marketing and uh, distribution. Sometimes they do. Uh, like Disney, for all their big stuff, they do that. It says that the release in Italy has a yellow tint filter. Uh, of course it does. That's insane. Why would it have a yellow tint filter? Sergio Leone like went to incredible lengths to like make everything like look like the sand in Monument Valley, like uh, that red sand. Because he was like, he's so pissed off. He's like, everywhere we shoot in Spain and fucking Italy, everything is olive. It's fucking all olive. <laughs> I want that red sand. <laughs> and he actually imported that shit, shit went to their sets in Rome. Yeah, I heard there was some like imported red dust for like one of the walking into the set shots probably the when when like the eight guys walk into that um saloon yeah oh here yeah, yeah there is a 4k the version yeah what there's a 4k version uh not out, out on t- disc 2018 what i was looking up when this, i was what shut up no what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm spelling shit all wrong. I'm so excited. I'm like, what? <laughs> There's a UHD. Holy shit. Okay. Five million in nineteen sixty eight is equal to forty two million. There's wow. no four K of this. Twenty two dollars. It wow. says it was probably uh released by Cineteca Bologna. 
Oh, so maybe it's not released in the States because we didn't like it. And so they were like, fuck those people. Wasn't this whole fucking movie for the sake of releasing it in the United States, though? Well, and then they were like, you know what? Maybe we made a mistake. Like, it's a good movie, but like, we made Sorry, a America. I guess we showed you too <laughs> realistic. You're not going to like it. Oh, there we was a- an Italian mo- uh, an Italian woman who's also attractive getting raped by dudes. Sorry, it's too realistic. Also, they were listing some of the scenes that were cut, and I kind of want to see those. But like, oh my god, I couldn't imagine how long this movie would be if they had it. Four hours. Back in. Four hours. First cut. <laughs> you know, you joke, but Once Upon a Time in America, uh, I think it was like his second film after this. That that is four hours. Yeah. Again, if it's like a TV show, we can, and there are breaks and stuff, like, I'm totally down for that. I would totally watch three hour and a half episodes of a show to make this movie happen. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are breaks, Ryan. Because I have pacing. Whatever. You know, you just hit next on the next episode and you end up watching for five or six hours. I don't want to hear this bullshit. Absolutely don't. don't Absolutely do not. Don't want to hear this. I look at a thing and I say, oh, it's only an hour 20, then I can definitely watch it tonight and then I will do something else and or go to bed. Cool. Thanks. <sighs> Sorry I'm not the average American listener that binges six hours of Netflix every night. Oh my goodness. Are we at Sucking. ratings here? Fuck off. Probably. <laughs> I was like, wait, wh- wh- which, which one was that a response to? <laughs> Both? One? I don't know. Yeah, either or. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, ratings for once upon I a time. I don't know what to do without Jared here. Let's just be honest. <laughs> Who's going first? Who's rating this western? I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I uh, have seen westerns before, and so I kind of had a, something in mind of what I was going to watch, and so I was dreading this movie. Um, but it turns out, actually, this is really good. And this is not like a standard American Western. It's just, it's just <laughs> the perfect start. I've seen Westerns before. I thought I knew what this was, but no. <laughs> Except yes. So um, hold up. Let's back up here. I think we need some context because I didn't ask the, these important questions. Uh, Kristen, you don't like Westerns? What Westerns are the ones that come to mind that you hate? <laughs> It's not that I hate them. It's just that um, they're like not very good and they're kind of stupid. And I've seen Clint Eastwood. What's his name? E- Clint Eastwood. Clint Thank you, Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and, Unless um, you're Marty, F- Marty McFly and then it's God, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, they're just like not interesting. They're kind of boring. And like there are interesting moments in them. Ooh. Um, well but like, do yes. I want to sit down and watch one? No. Mm-mm. No, I don't. Um, but this movie had so much going for it. Like the, there, like I loved the acting. I loved the costume. I loved the sets. I loved the story somehow. Because I even looked up the story, and they were like, "Oh, it's about like people like disagreeing over like water and land." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, but somehow they make that interesting, and. I don't know, it's not that I care about, like, the land or the water or anything, but, like, you somehow you're, like, rooting for these characters, even though you don't really know if you like them or not. You're, mm. like, you're kind of a dick, but 
Yeah, he's a bigger dick, so I'm going to root for you in this scene, but I don't know how I feel about you. <laughs> uh, and the whole time, like, like Jill is, oh my God, she's a great character. She looks gorgeous. She's also really smart. She doesn't take anybody's shit. And still, you're like, I don't, I don't know if I can trust you. I think you might also be the bad guy. Um, and I actually did feel really good for her because she uh, has clearly had a really awful life because um, this is, again, this is the best she can do here. Yeah, at the end, she has like her little, all this property. She has a town. She owns a town. Like, good for her. I was really happy for mm -hmm. her. Um, I <laughs> forgot to mention this earlier, um, but I, I enjoyed the, the soundtrack. But what I... <laughs> feel like this is like a reverse asmr video because he's <laughs> so focused on all of the 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 sounds like like it's it's so, so silent you know there's not a lot of dialogue yeah but then it's so unsettling with like all of the just the way they use sound in this it makes you so uncomfortable it like woke my mm. cats up like they were not they did not enjoy this movie um at all actually <laughs> four paws down <laughs> they were like is something here like they would like, wake up out of their sleep and be like what the fuck was that like they were disturbed um yeah, so it was like not comforting, but it wasn't supposed to be, like it was supposed to make you uncomfortable. And it really did a great job of that. The your the the amount of like mystery and the amount of suspense and and you're just kind of uneasy about everything and it all works really really well together. Um and when you couple that with like amazing visuals, um I loved the costumes. I loved um the the this the, every all of the sets everywhere everything that they filmed um i mean god even just them standing on the railroad at the beginning is beautiful the cinematography is gorgeous um the close-ups of these people with their like leather skin is beautiful like i just i really enjoyed a lot about this um I really think the only way you could improve it is again if you like made it to a TV show. Um, so I didn't have to sit in one go and watch it. Um, that would be great. Um, otherwise, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I'm going to give it a 10. Holy shit. That is a lot of stuff to build up to then giving a 10. Once Upon a Time in the West, the miniseries. <laughs> right. I'm here for it. Wow. 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 Um, sorry, Brian. I'm gonna let you go last so that we end on something of a good note. Because, fuck, I was bored as shit in this movie. Kristen, you said a lot of great things that sparked a lot of interesting things in my brain. Uh, most of this movie I spent trying to appreciate from I feel like a, a another person's perspective. Um, uh, this is a movie I've heard about for a long time. Um, probably most of my life I have heard of. Lots of people talking about this movie. I've heard of, of directors that I love referencing this movie. I, I I went into this movie wanting to like it. Wanting to be like, yes, I'm finally fucking experiencing this American classic made by an Italian. And I was just bored as shit. Like I literally fell asleep three times in this movie. I had to stop the last 40 minutes of it, wake up from my nap, and realize that the movie still had 40 more fucking minutes to culminate everything that I had spent watching. 
there's a lot to love about this from a, like a production standpoint. There's there's really really great blocking. There's really great camera moves. There's really great framing that that I am legitimately inspired by. Like I love the way they put faces into a frame in this fucking movie. I love the way they move the camera from one character into another character from one like wide shot and then they dolly back and they jib up and boom up and then a person walks into frame and there's three more fucking people behind it. There's a lot of stuff that I fucking love about this movie. It is so goddamn slow that I really struggled as a modern movie watcher to give a shit about what's going on. And maybe some of that was just my frame of mind going into it. Maybe some of that was the way that the entire script is structured to give information only after things have actually happened. That is not a uh, that is not a modern movie going thing. With modern movies, stuff that's been made in the last five years, ten years, twenty years, I would say, um, we know the stakes. We know the characters before things happen to them. This movie is like. You're going to watch a thing happen, and then you're going to find out why it fucking matters. And you're going to care about it. Show don't tell, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so very little dialogue in this that the whole movie is like, you remember the thing that just happened? Um, This is why it matters. That was interesting to me from from my filmmaking standpoint of my brain. Uh, As an audience member, I was really, really, really struggling to care. So for the most part, it didn't work from my modernist perspective. When I step back from that and look at it more objectively, I think this film is really, really, really great. But I still struggle to enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling how to how to actually like rate this film because um, the filmmaker side of me says that it's like really well put together but i it was it was so fucking hard to watch this goddamn movie i'm going to give it a an 8 because i see all the influences that all the people that i love whose filmmaking stuff has influenced me have been influenced by this film uh there's a lot of stuff to value but i it was it was really fucking boring to watch i'm sorry it was uh, it's a goddamn eight. Brian, tell me how well I'm wrong. No, it's fine. Please. We'll take your peer pressure eight. I'm glad Kristen went first there. <laughs> Just <laughs> set the tone right out the gate. If she hadn't said anything, I would have probably called it a 6.5, maybe a seven of tops. Oh, but I'm you know it's not that, that low. Just... It's not. It's not. It's not. This is uh, like again. a personal issue of yours. The movie is worth <laughs> watching, but this movie is not fun. And those are two different this movie things. movie is very fun. This movie is not fun. This movie is a long asshole. And if this movie has been had been two hours and ten minutes, I would have enjoyed it significantly more. Again, she was right. Anyway, uh, this is uh, on IMDb's top 250 list. This comes in at number 48. So 47 is Modern Times, 48, Once Upon a Time in the West, and 49, <laughs> Rear Window. There we go. That's that's Fuck, a- I would have put Rear... I'm sorry. Fuck all of those people. Rear Window is a way better movie than this. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's it's hard to compare. This this movie, I, look, I like big things in my cinema. I like big scores. I like big dramatic motions. The thing I love and appreciate about Sergio Leone's Western over probably any filmmaker, I would say maybe Clint Eastwood toward the 80s on I th- I'm thinking of like uh, Pale Rider or Unforgiven he follows the Sergi Leone Western of this incredible build up before the violence and then when the violent happen, the violent motion happens where somebody dies or somebody gets shot who knows that's quick it's so it's over so fast and then we're either out to the next scene or we live in that moment and watch somebody fucking die I love that that's like it's so it's so operatic it's so big you know it's like yeah let, let's get these guys fucking staring down i don't give a fuck if any of this shit makes sense or anything else I, look at these motherfuckers just staring each other down in this fucking sun and they're just like god damn i want to murder you bro god i want to murder you so bad i got a murder boner right now and i am gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot you with all six of these bullets bitch oh oh it's gonna be so fucking awesome i am here for this i mean yeah I've heard people call this like toxic masculinity and yeah yeah okay that's the point all right uh sure, you know, obviously. that is what the old west is that's like the personification of that you know and I I like the civilizations coming in with this railroad and like Charles Bronson's character and uh, Jason Lombard's character is they're like dying out, you know, they, they, they almost want to be with this woman and, and taste a little bit of this like nurturing home life. Maybe we could build something here, but they just keep, they fucking can't do it. They're not, they're not built for that world. That's not who they are. I, I, I think there's a lot of cool themes going on in this movie. Yes, it is slow. Yes. That is the style of the film. I mean, like, I don't know how. You you can't have these big build up moments without this pace, you know. Like uh, mm. otherwise, you're just you're you're cutting everything out, and you're cutting. What I always like to tell directors is like, look, you need to you need to hurry the point along. We don't need to belabor it. We don't need to bore the audience, but also, don't cut the fucking flavor of your movie out. Like that's what that's a good fucking. That's point. what makes your yeah. movie different. Yeah. That's what gives yeah. you your voice. Don't lose that. Like, just because some motherfucker doesn't get a joke or they don't do that, like, it may work for somebody else. That's why we do fucking audience testings now out the ass. But, mm. I mean, this movie's got a little bit of that flavor. It's, it, in fact, fuck, I think it's got so much it oozes it. <sighs> Man, yeah, everybody's cool in the movie. Like, everyone's fucking awesome. They're just fucking cool. All the camera shots are fucking cool. I love how fucking Leon is able to get a close-up and a fucking medium shot. In the same fucking shot, he's just <laughs> such a badass. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, he's just he, yeah, he's 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 cool, man. Uh, fucking Inyoko Maricone. Um, God, man, his his music is great. The harmonica score is fucking eerie and badass all at the same time. Henry Fonda with those steel blue fucking eyes. I mean. Who knew the blue eyes would be so fucking evil? And murdering a kid, oh, that, that's also like one of my favorite fucking goddamn transitions, you know, in, in, in fucking cinema, period. Like, that close-up of that gun being shot, and it gets it just goes blurry, and then we, we get the train coming at the screen. goes from blurry to boom, hits us into focus. It's so nice. There's so many good, like, filmmaking moments in here. We don't make movies like this anymore. Italians don't even make movies like this anymore. <laughs> God. It's so good. It is the highest of tens. 
I love that you the 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 comment you said about how this like oozes flavor because it really does. That's what all of this, all of the pacing, all of the build up, all of the little superfluous shots like that's what it is. That's what they're setting up, and it it's so good to that's see. And it. you're right, like they don't um they don't make movies like this anymore. And I mean, I I, I actually think about this because my grandfather refused to watch tv and all almost all movies except certain westerns and this is one of them and like I, that's what i think about like like what do we fill our time with and it's all these like quick you know 5 10 20 second videos on social media the tv shows are so quick everything is so fast moving in movies you know, like what would it, this, this is almost like a meditative movie. You know, you really have to sit mm. there and kind of be with it, um, which is kind of a really cool experience. I mean, you don't, you have to be in the right mood for that, obviously. But I thought, yeah, the whole time I thought it was really, it was, a, it was an experience. Yeah, I kept thinking of like the modern equivalent would be something like Lars Van Trier or something like that. Somebody that just mm. like lets yeah. you live with those characters and that's, yeah. I think That's he's true. more important. God, more except I'm sorry. But, Lars Venturio just like when he lives with shit, like it's it's often too long and it's often overblown and it's often like just up his own ass. So I'm sorry that that feels like a very bad comparison. I think the difference is it, it is flavor in the same way that we're talking about setting the scene and all of that. Lars von Trier is more emotional. So when he lets you live with it, it's uncomfortable, but he wants you to be uncomfortable. Whereas okay. Okay, this, I see that. They're, sure. they're, they're wanting you to be in the moment. And so he wants you to be in the moment too, but it's like an emotional moment and it's usually at an uncomfortable emotion. And so that's the difference, but it's similar. It's, it, it is kind of the same thing, but I can see why you would think it's different. But ultimately, yeah, I think Lars Montreux would be the closest we've got. Cause yeah, his movies are fucking four or five, six hours long. Yeah. They're usually way too long and not. No, it's like... an experience though. You have to get immersed into it. Uh... <laughs> I could even see like little moments. I mean, I, I think everybody's going to be like uh, screaming out the obvious comparison right now of like Quentin Tarantino, but I, I don't think. No, it's not the same thing. No. No. It isn't. It is not the same no, thing. No, it's not. I can see how Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino wishes he was, it was this. Yeah, no, it's Fuck. not. Yeah, I, I think he does wish that. I can see how he's inspired by stuff like this and I can yes. see where he picks up certain things from this, but yeah, he's not sure. the same at all. Yeah, Nolan almost feels closer uh, in terms of big budget, like popular filmmakers. I, closer, I mean, okay. but I wouldn't. Yeah, from from like a uh, an attempt to put things in the frame and then like let you sit with those things in the frame, but definitely not. I don't know. I I, I don't get Nolan associations from this at all. Oh man, you know, I mean, it's sped up, but you know, think about like his wide shots. How he lets things breathe, and he'll use dolly shots. I don't know. I can, I can kind of, I can kind of see it. It's a lot faster. It's modern. What are you gonna do? I can't. It's hard thinking about something that's like this slow. That's like a like a director's normal style, and not just like a one-off movie. No, it almost again. This is this is different, but it does. Isn't it? Isn't who did Dogville? Isn't that Lars von Trier? Yeah, that's um. The way that is so long <laughs> and drags yeah. out, um, but is 
in the moment and you are with her and you are experiencing everything with her. That's kind of kind of it, but not. Man, we need to do some like old westerns now. Some like uh, let me do some John Ford. Like do the Searchers. I wonder if you would also think that's boring, Mike. I I mean probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, real talk, probably yeah. But also like that that is that is the thing that I find intriguing about this movie is is the way that I legitimately see so much influence on filmmakers that I so respect and admire and things that I I love now. You know, this movie is fucking 60 years old almost and and it still has influence on today, but it, it's it's just it's it's a different way to approach it, and that's part of part of my talking about it. It's part of my mindset is is trying to assess it from a modern perspective, and also like that is the fun of of what we're talking about is how, how did the people who watch this for the first time experience it? I'm trying to imagine that. Well, I think that's really interesting because I don't really know or care what they thought when they were first watched it, but like from like my <laughs> point of view. I think it's really interesting because we don't make movies like this anymore. I don't know. Damn, no, that's true. And, and and I think it's a shame. I mean, and I get it. I I do get it because I am just as guilty of you know a wandering attention as everyone else. But like, part of you know, if you can capture someone's attention and really keep them captivated, do you have to mm-hmm. do it with explosions on screen every five seconds? No, fuck, fuck no. Well, that's, no, that's absolutely not. And that's yeah. why I think stuff like this is so intriguing because. Yeah, for a lot of reasons, we're showing multi-dimensional characters, which right now everyone sure. is really into the superhero one-dimensional characters. We're all good guys, right? Yeah, that's what and... I was going to say. I think the last ten years, I think yeah, you do have to have explosions. Yeah, it's all yeah. explosions. Yeah. It's all to make good money guys. anyway, not to be like a it's... critical success. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's that's. I think this is a, a kind of refreshing to see. It's kind of refreshing and sort of one of the ways where you take like a, you know, a social media cleanse and you don't check your social media for like a week and then you feel mm. like so refreshed. And I mean, that's kind of what this movie is, I think. Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think d- gone are the days where, you know, The Godfather is the highest grossing movie of the year. I don't think we live in those times anymore. <laughs> That's fascinating to me because I just wa- rewatched The Godfather for the first time in like 20 years, um, about a month and a half ago, and I found it so intriguing and interesting and like way more fun than this movie, even though it was um, in many ways as slow as this movie felt. It's like a I palate like the- cleanser, right? Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. like a refreshing kind of break. And I don't know why we think that this kind of stuff couldn't be released today because I know that's not the trend, but that doesn't mean that there isn't an audience out there looking for it. It's kind of like, you know, for years they would never make a movie for women. Why? Because women don't go to theaters. Well, why don't women go to theaters? Because you don't make movies for women, you know? like Exactly. And so I don't Fuck know off. that this wouldn't work. <laughs> it's just that you no, know, everyone is so afraid of making a risk and that they will it's uh, Broadway is guilty of doing this too they just want to make what works because they just want to make money and they don't want yep. to yep. take something like take a chance on something like this and I don't even know that it would be that big of a chance because this is a good movie and if you look at movies like this historically they're all they're all good like 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. They're not all good. Okay, they're well, they're all not good, all good. good. Come on, you know what I'm saying. But no, you're, you're right. This is this is the point that Scorsese has been making for the last like decade. Like, why are we just fucking making movies for audiences? Like, let's make movies for the sake of art. Let's make movies for the sake of the people making movies. Yeah, like, okay. if we just do things that are creative for the sake of being creative, people will enjoy it, and then the trends will change because. The people who care about things, the people who are influencers, will enjoy it. And but we oh, hold on, we got we, we got to call we got to call bullshit on Martin Scorsese for that because look, this is the way it's literally been, man. Since Forever. since the sixties, <laughs> when directors started getting power, like look, okay. like okay. you you're. Once you get a hit, you're stuck in a pattern where you need to turn out these True. kinds of movies. And True. once you've proven successful enough, then a, then a director can take a big chance and do a personal, real epic. And that's when we got movies like uh, The Deer Hunter. Yeah. Uh, but you also get things like, you know, having Heaven's Gate, which, you know, is a, is a bomb. And a lot of people <laughs> are like, ah, I don't know if that's great. Yeah. But like yeah. now I, I think of that movie, you know, people have come around to and, and started to, to enjoy that and like that. I don't know, man. Like, I don't think you're ever going to get these original ideas un- until some creative. It's either it's usually a screenwriter, a director, a producer. They make enough money where they can do their passion project, and then this yeah. stuff happens. Yeah, this is the constant push pull of creativity and trying to do such things in a genre and a medium that is intended to make fucking money like well, how do you make money while doing something that you're passionate about what do you say, sort of sorry that's sort of the same thing about the fashion industry which is yeah. you know if you want to be successful you need to put out a collection every season and it needs to follow the trends but that is like the if you are actually a creative person that will kill you <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you can do it two three times maybe four and then you're dead there's got to be something new. There's got to be some some spark that want, makes you want to be like, fuck all this. Let me do something that no one's ever seen. And But how it is the same, but it's the same with film. It's the same with theater. It's the same with, you know, anything that you're, when you're creating something to be consumed, when you're creating something to make money, how can you have free creative reign when the goal, the only way you're going to be, ever be allowed to do this and to do it again is to make mm. the most money. <laughs> yeah, you can do it once. You're never going to do it again if it didn't make money. And if it didn't make money, or if it made a fuck ton of money, like, do you want to do it again? That's Jim Cameron's whole fucking thing. That's why he's taken 20 goddamn years between movies. Well, I made all this fucking money. Do I want to do that again? Do I want to do something different? God, it's a fucking struggle. I'm going to go work uh, and be in the good graces of A24 because apparently they just <laughs> do not give a right? fuck. God, fuck. They're like, well, did you make something interesting? Huh. You did. All right. Yeah, we'll give you money to make another one. Sure. <laughs> sure. Didn't look like a superhero movie. But, you know, like, <laughs> to be fair, like, we're talking about uh, a Western right now. Like, West. that's how Westerns were perceived, you know, when they were released is – it was a phase in Hollywood, just like superhero yeah. movies. How long was that fucking phase where they're just like, "Cool, another western." All right, so it's twenty it's years. This, it's this. It's this. It's this. And it's this. Yeah, it's a long uh, time. Oh, you didn't hit those five things. Well, then why the fuck wouldn't we give you more money? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I'm John Ford, Howard Hawks. Those guys built careers off of westerns. They did other things too. But... Anybody got anything else? 
I just love how we've taken this treatise on an old movie and talked about modern things in the light of it. This is this is why I'm fucking here. Is is the last 15 minutes of post review shit. You guys are the best. <sighs> That's right. Thank you, Shane, for recommending and boring the fuck out of Mike with Once Upon a Time <laughs> in the West. In creating lots of great conversation. Who fucking cares if I was born by the movie? We talked we talked for a long time. It was fun. So with that, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email and your request to moviecrewpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at moviecrewpod. Mike, where can the audience find you? I am currently on Instagram because Twitter just decided to... Not have any third-party Twitter clients, so fuck all that shit. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Griggsy Media. That's G-R-I-G-G-S-Y Media. Griggs versus Musk. The legal fight we've all been waiting for. <laughs> you can cut all that shit. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and Kristen, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Kristen Magdalene. That's Kristen with a K and an I. You guys can find me on Twitter at Elkins Edits, and I think we're going to close out the show tonight with track number seven from the Once Upon a Time in the West soundtrack titled Man with a Harmonica. This is from composer Inyo Maracone. Enjoy. Enjoy.